And she told me what he charged. And it was 10 times, 10 times what I charged. How could somebody charge that much for that? And at that stage, all of my education was around training, nutrition, the skill set, but it wasn't around my belief system, my mindset. It wasn't around selling. It wasn't around any of the business stuff. In this podcast, I'm going to be exploring what it takes to live a life full of adventure and freedom. I'll be interviewing adventurers, explorers, and business owners who have set their life up to have an abundance of choice. And I'm also going to give you the high performance tips and tricks I teach my adventurepreneur clients to have the kind of life they want and be the type of person they wish they were. So if you're not already, subscribe to the show and settle in for another episode of The Freedom Project. What does it take to build personal independence and complete financial freedom? The golden rule is that while you can get rich trading your time for money, you can never build true wealth. In the past few months, I've decided to go all in on building my personal financial freedom in a way that is both authentic to me and create something that gives my greatest gift to the earth. To do this, I brought in the help of one of the greatest business mentors out there, Phil Graham. Phil is a leading figure in the fitness and nutrition industry, celebrated for his innovative approach to health, wellness, and entrepreneurship. Diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at a young age, Phil overcame significant challenges to become a competitive bodybuilder and a respected authority in nutrition and dietetics. He's the founder of Fitness Entrepreneur Business Academy, where he mentors fitness professionals on scaling their businesses without sacrificing personal well-being. An accomplished author, Phil has penned several works on nutrition and personal development, sharing his knowledge and experiences to inspire others to achieve their fullest potential. His journey from overcoming personal health challenges to empowering others professionally embodies his commitment to living and teaching of a life of balance and health and success. In this episode, you'll get to meet my business mentor and discover a host of lessons that can create financial freedom for you. We're going to cover how to overcome your money stories, how Phil went from a diabetic pro bodybuilder to mentor some of the biggest names in the fitness industry, how to think about investing in self-development, when you just stop thinking about income and start thinking about impact, how to navigate your personal growth journey without tripping up, the intricacies of balancing masculine and feminine energies, and world-class advice for entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurially minded. So here is the great and the mighty Phil Graham. Where I want to start with this, Phil, is your, you've spoken a ton about your background. You've spoken a ton about um, your beliefs growing up and how they're kind of given to you. I want to dive straight into something that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, which is money stories. What money stories have been present in your life? And then what's the process been like of unwrapping yourself from them? Let's talk about money. And the journey that I've been on with money, which has been very interesting. I came from a very buying middle-class family. My mom was a main bread earner. My dad wasn't. So it's kind of a reverse of roles, you know, back in, you know, 20, 30 years ago, seeing your mother being the main bread earner when everybody else's dad was the main bread earner. So that was, first of all, quite confusing. All right. This, now that's completely changed in today's modern day and age, where it's much more acceptable, much more open, and it's great. So I grew up with a 
common beliefs. Money doesn't grow on trees. Never drive a black Mercedes. Don't be too show off. You know, don't be buying big fancy things and portraying it about. And um, when you're middle class, like when I say middle class, you never really know whether you're coming or you're going. And the thing with that is it's confusing. So one minute you're going on holiday, you're getting Christmas presents. The next minute your parents are fighting up in the middle of the night, arguing about money and your dad being overdrawn. So I grew up with a lot of, we're safe, we're not safe, we're safe, we're not safe, we're safe, we're not safe, arguments. And that caused a massive unsettling, a massive unsettling in me to know that, well, they're arguing over money, they might get divorced. And what's going to happen to me if we get divorced and my dad's overdrawn? Are we going to go and live in a home? Is my mom going to be able to cope? What on earth is going to go on? happened to us, me and my brother. So I grew up with a lot of fear around not having money. I grew up with a element of shame around making money because there was this belief that it was never said, but you could feel it was that in order for you to be wealthy, other people have to suffer or it's wrong to make money. It's wrong to want to make money. I was brought up in a very religious Christian household and that was kind of the Esau, never let money be your God. That was the overarching frame. And you know, if you really want to understand your beliefs around money, speak to your parents and ask them, what were your beliefs around money growing up? And you will actually see that what you believe about money right now is present in your life due to them. And they have a, played a large influential role in shaping those beliefs, which is when did, scary. When did that start changing from a conscious to unconscious level? Because it's a lot of people know like, okay, money is abundant. Like there's there's that clear abundance of it. There's, there's no scarcity around. They've got all the logical proof that they need. But the emotional unconscious level of like, I act this way, that yeah. takes some time to shift. So... How it all happened was my life was shaped and coordinated to be a dietitian or a healthcare professional or a lawyer or a doctor. That's what was destined for me. And I didn't want to do that. So I decided to essentially start my own business. I struggled with elements of authority and control. And business for me was a way for me to find my independence. And in order to find your independence, you have to become autonomous. And to function in this world, just like you need to breathe oxygen, you need to make money. And if you don't make money, you're in trouble. So whenever I started charging for programs and services initially, is this too dear? Are they going to think I'm a ripoff? Are they going to think I'm chancing my arm? I didn't know my worth, so I didn't know what to charge. And I spent years undercharging, years of undercharging. And... That was a limiting belief from the perspective of I shouldn't be charging more because I might hear the word no and I might be rejected and I might ruin my reputation with other people that want to buy from me. And there was a shame and guilt around making money that if you're, if you're doing really well, there must be something wrong. I always remember my mom and dad saying, you know, if you're at that level of wealth, you've had to frauded something, you've had to do something, you've had to X, Y, and Z. Um, there's always this level of suspicion around making money. 
And I suppose that really started to become evident when I started to realize that I was undercharging. I started to feel undervalued, tired, bored, burnt out. I was doing everything. And the here's the one moment where I realized that I needed to change. I remember I was coaching a girl. She was a new client and she was called Susie. And she came up to me and we had an appointment in one of my offices in the gym that I used to work at. And she said to me that she was really interested in working with me and that I actually coached one of her ex-coaches. And her ex-coach was a guy that um, I'd coached for five years. And he didn't know how to lift or use weightlifting wraps or anything like that. And she told me what he charged. And it was 10 times, 10 times what I charged. And I got very triggered by it to the point where I went, what? How? I then started to realize I'm asking a lot of questions here. I'm offended by this. I don't feel right. And I felt very disappointed in myself. How could I coach somebody that was at nowhere near the level of knowledge, insight, experience, commitment, results? How could somebody charge that much for that? And at that stage, all of my education was around training, nutrition, the skill set, but it wasn't around my belief system, my mindset. It wasn't around selling. It wasn't around any of the business stuff. Back in my day, all the coaches and trainers, the only thing we fucking cared about was who was the most knowledgeable and who was the most like well-respected. Nobody cared about money. You weren't getting any of this. I've made a 10K month. I've made a 20K month. Nobody cared. If anything, you kept your money to yourself. So it was at that moment that I began to realize, what has this guy done to be able to command that price point? Long story short, he'd invested in himself. He'd invested in how to run a business. And he'd learned from people that were making money. That's the only thing that I didn't do. And I immediately went and started looking at personal development, personal growth, business, I, I, I learned to remap my beliefs around money and my worth and what the results were worth to people. I could see multiple bits of evidence with it. I started to build that conviction. I started to test new price points and I built the skill of selling. So, you know, when you are struggling to make money, you've got to look at things through the lens of one, do I lack the belief that I'm worth this? So the question you've got to look at is what is my service worth to somebody when it, when it works? Number two, do I lack the skill of how to attract a client, make a sale, have a conversation and close the deal. And three, process is like the order of your sales process. So if you lack the belief system, you're never gonna address the uncertainty in the market with the uncertainty in yourself. People buy into people that have got straight certainty. And you build certainty over time with building something that you truly know in your heart changes the world and changes people when they come in. And you don't care whether or not they join or they don't join because you know that when they come into that world, that things are going to be different. Number two is that I built the sales skill, the ability to actually articulate, the ability to handle objections, the ability to understand where people were coming from, where their concerns were and what was holding them back. And then the process of coordinating it, coordinating it all together to impact a lot of people rather than just manual one-to-one. -one. So I had that triggering event 
that made me realize that I'm doing it all wrong. And I realized that somebody else had gone and invested in themselves and created the belief in themselves that they were worth that despite what all the experience and knowledge that I had. And they had based that belief around partly looking at the results that they got, looking at what they wanted from their business in order, like what was the financial return that they wanted to be able to support and build the life that they want. And ultimately chancing their arm and going for it and then getting it and validating it and doing it again and again and again and realizing that not everybody's going to buy into that. So there's a combination of knowing your worth, looking at what it is, what, what you do in the marketplace, measuring that value, putting a rough estimate on it, looking at your skill sets, building those skill sets, testing it and validating it and getting feedback from the market. And if people are paying you for that, then I mean, there's validation. You know, you know what I find really odd, really, 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 really odd is that people are very comfortable going and putting liabilities on a credit card, clothes, Louis Vuitton. You know, you've seen on Instagram, like the Louis Vuitton bags that are ripped up and the guy like breaks down the actual real cost of the thing. But people go and spend five or six K that they, like a lot of people can afford them, but a majority can't. And how does somebody get in the state of mind to want to put themselves at risk to buy some form of symbolic sign of wealth? Like what, where, where must you be in your head to be able to commit to a purchase like that over food, over skills that could put food on your table for the rest of your life? How do you get into that mindset? And I do believe that social media and our ability to play to a status or play to a level is just so rife right now. And I'm really on a mission, you know, with my work is like, you know, you've been exposed to my world, just really deeper levels of thinking that bring one back to self, mm -hmm. you know, and that whole game of trying to fit in and trying to appear best and whatever is a futile game that you'll never win. Mm -hmm. And whenever you realize that you don't even play the game in the first place, you just bring so much power and love and presence back to your own life. And that's when you do shit. That's when you, that's when you have a real fucking life. Yeah. See if your whole life is commanded around fitting in validation, awards, status, whatever I've been there. And a lot of that comes from not having the money, not having the status back in the day, but when you get it, and this is the hard thing to get out of your everybody's head, I gotta share this. You have to go and get it to realize it's not the thing that you want. That's the hard part. That's the bit that's gonna suck. I can do all this personal development stuff and tell it to you now, but you're still gonna be overruled by what culture, what society expects of you until you get there yourself you do the work on the way or when you get there and then you realize you can surrender it and you're still loved. Yeah, you know, I, I experienced the exact same thing when I finally earned my, I'm looking at now, I'm a green berry of the Royal Marines. I was like, when I finally got that, I was like, well, surely people are going to respect me now. Surely I'm going to have some status now. And the, literally the moment I put it on my head, I was like, oh, it's just a piece of green felt. I'm, I'm, I'm the same man in a different hat. That's all it is. And yeah. that that completely shifted. And like the... I think the, the interesting thing you're saying there is like your parents' story about money, it was actually a conflation of status and money. It was like, well, the 
like the 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 way you appear in the black mercedes to have things to do to be seen as that thing that's a very different thing to actually having wealth which is a completely yeah. different world so the question within that is so many coaches would have been presented with that other coach who was charging 10 times you what you were charging and they would have seen like a certain romance in the well i'm the the underrewarded um, gifted um, master coach who's just like never had I'm like the, yeah unrewarded master so why did you choose to go after more as opposed to retreating back into that status game if you're looking at it through hindsight what was what's that logic there because whenever I realized that I got paid more I could do more I could impact more people I could impact myself more I could I could de-risk myself I could create opportunities for myself and go in and not worry about failing I had buffer and I also reinvested, you know, I was very much on a mission where I used that money to reinvest into the things that allowed me to impact more people. So the biggest shift in my business came from when I focused on one-to-one to one-to-many. And I'm, what I mean one-to-many is one-to-one in terms of, yes, you're just in front of a person. One-to-many is what type of person are you in front of? So is it, is it somebody that's got, a team of three under them, team of five, team of 10, or a hundred clients under them. The person that's got a hundred clients under them is going to be like, that's one to many, or it's going to be a system or a piece of technology that allows me to fracture something that I do on a day-to-day basis, but re-deliver it or get a team member to do something that I'm no better skilled at than them, or I don't want to do. And if I don't want to do it, I'm not of service to the client. If I am no better at them than doing it, I've got to look at work and I prioritize my time to help the whole. And these are, you find money beliefs slipping into these elements in an entrepreneur's journey when they hire a team. Oh, clients are going to worry it's not me. Is a client more interested in you or solving their biggest problem? They're, they're interested in solving their problem and moving on with their life. You're part of it, but you're not the main thing. So it's just very much like self-centered um, uh, kind of mindset that we need to break away from and realize that money is a, a really valuable tool for having a massive impact in the world. You need it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the, the, the lens shifted to use money as fuel. What was, yeah. What was happening in your life when you transitioned to impact over whatever that gives to you like what was that always the case was there was there a transition time i got bored of making money yeah very bored um i've always been very, always been very good at it always been very good at you know just at bringing money commanding a marketplace scaling and growth and all that stuff and i remember one night i came down it was like nine o'clock i just worked like a 12-hour day made a fortune and i just said to claire I don't like this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like this. I do not want to do this anymore. And then I started to get scared. You don't want to do this anymore? Then what's going to happen in your future? How are you going to make money? How are you going to live? How are you going to survive? And I said to myself, I need a different fuel to build on. Because the fuel that I have used up until now has been exhausted. And that feel was, I'm worried about going broke. There was no way I was going broke. 
So I remember I spoke with a mentor and he said to me, Phil, focus on impact over revenue and let that guide you. And that very much got me out of a shift when I focused on impact and creating as many life-changing moments and experiences for people and perspective shifts and value and results and all that kind of stuff. I was going to get paid off the back end of it anyway, but it was more exciting, you know? Do you think you could have made that shift without making a good amount of money first? No. Why? Survival. Mm -hmm. Safety, right? Yeah. I was driven by fear, fear of not making enough money, not being able to have the life that I want, fear of ultimately not having independence from my parents. So making money for me was, I want to get out of this environment as quickly as possible and be able to make my own choices without compromise. And I can't do that under my parents' house when I'm 17 or 18 years, 19, 20 years of age, and I'm still living here with a bed and I put food on my table. You know, I was always brought up with the, you know, the 10 commandment, you know, honor thy mother and father. And when you're brought up in that religious sector, it, it, it kind of makes you, you'll look at the world differently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had to break free from that. So the only way to do that was to build independence. Just a quick favor to ask. If you love the show and you think it may help someone else in the world, then head to wherever you listen to The Freedom Project and leave a five-star review and maybe even share it with some friends. It really does help me and it helps the show too. I can continue to get fantastic guests on the show. It reaches more people and it makes me feel great too. So I would be enormously grateful if you could leave a five-star review and share any episodes of the podcast that you love. This might seem like a bit of a, an aggressive right turn on this, but have you found yourself ever coming back to those beliefs that have like been ingrained through, let's say, Christianity or a religious kind of um, worldview and finding like a new truth in them? Or have you just completely discarded a lot of it? No, I, di I didn't discard any of them. All of them were very heavily integrated one by one. Um, I do find myself... You know, if you look at the period of your life and when you started having these limiting beliefs or views, narrow views on the world, should I say, I'm 36 now. Imagine at 22, 23, having a very limited viewpoint on how to have a relationship with a woman. Or when you're 15, went to an all-boys school, no sex before marriage, um, lived in the countryside, never really talked about you know, how do you have a relationship with a woman? How do you, you know, how do you, how do you do X? How do you do Y? Blah, blah, blah. So you're not taught how to navigate well. We don't have a YouTube back then. You know, you know, there was books for sure, but, you know, books were for nerds back then. I wasn't the, I wasn't the geek. And um, I, with the, the pain of not knowing how to do things or beliefs that, made me feel inferior. I always looked at what's on the other end of these. What is the meaning? What is the area that I've got to grow on? But if I had those limiting beliefs from 15 and I'm 36 and I've got the core overarching high level ones, you've got to think 
how many days in my life between 15 and ultimately maybe 30 when I started working on myself or 20 or 29 aggressively? Um, how many times did I re-wound or re-hurt myself over that period? So what happens in personal growth? Personal growth is extremely liberating, but it's hard work. Real personal growth is hard work. How many events and experiences over my lifetime do I have to dissolve? It's not just the one, by the way. You know, one of the biggest things for, for me was that when I was over in Canada with a friend, he runs a massive um, bodybuilding education business. And we were chatting about childhood and, you know, trauma and, and psychology and mindset and attitude to life. And, you know, if you go to most bodybuilders or people that train aggressively, I mean, people that train to escape mm -hmm. or people that train to hide or numb sometimes numb themselves, which was me as a bodybuilder, right? You imagine going into the gym every day, lifting a weight, listening to whatever music it is. For me, it was dance music. For some people, it's rap music. For some people, it's rock music. Mm -hmm. You're going in with negative thoughts of how you want to prove other people wrong. You're not good enough. You're inferior. And you're contracting muscle fiber against that and listening to all that music, that dark music. You are you're going to wire yourself different. You're going to wire yourself inadequately to really live a, a peaceful and truthful life. So this all becomes apparent in your later life. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. What was the thing that you were trying to numb? Whenever I was a bodybuilder, well, yeah. I was just, well, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. So I felt inferior from a human perspective, i.e. my health. I was also out of shape and overweight. I didn't like how I looked. So there was massive levels of not feeling happy in my appearance and look. So you've got a debilitating autoimmune condition, physical inadequacy, uh, religious constructs that are confusing the hell out of you. And you go to an old boy school. You know, so you build all that in. It's not a great recipe for a young man to live his truth. When did you find the, I suppose I, I can talk in archetypes with the, the feminine because I find so many, like so previously working with a lot of high level CrossFit athletes coming from a coaching world. Like a, I know a few people within the bodybuilding world too. And some of them tip over into, well, I want to build an image of masculinity and all I want to represent is that masculinity. And that comes with like a stubbornness and a brittleness and um, a fragility because it's everything's like so like I'm trying to appear masculine. It's it's um, um, if I have more willpower, more discipline, more structure, everything has to be like nailed in. And they forget the feminine, the flexibility, the creativity, the softness, the um, self-compassion. When did that come into your life? Um, it came into my life when I started realizing that doing all the time and activating all the time and wanting to hunt all the time wasn't the right fuel source for me because my life was giving me feedback. You know, I was um, 
going around in circles. And I never really enjoyed or savored any of the, the beautiful things that I created for myself. So I suppose I felt stuck and I needed to unlock new levels of thinking and stuff like that to open my heart to really living, you know, like you're with yourself 24 hours a day. And, you know, the masculine is great for structure and getting after stuff. And I love it. Absolutely love going to war. And the feminine, on the other hand, is um, it's very different. I always explain the feminine in the way that, you know, if you think it as a male when you were, you know, anybody listening to this as male, you know, if you're ever attracted to a female, then you go out of your way to make an effort. She doesn't need to do anything. You're just drawn to her. And actually, the more that you do and the more that she is and bees, the, the, the greater the pull, which is fascinating. Um, you know, it really, really is when you see it at play and you, see it, you can observe it. Um, you know, so, yeah. I mean, I, I share this, like, less focus on being, more focus on, or less focus on doing, more focus on being. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you only really get to that point. Like, I mean, you know, I, I'm also, I do, I do hot yoga a couple of times a week. And I see people that go so far left with psychedelics and yoga and semen retention and all this bullshit. They haven't fucking built anything. They haven't done anything worthy. And I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I'm maybe I'm saying that in the judgmental sense, but when you haven't done anything, well, you're not a beacon of hope for society or a beacon of hope for humanity in, in your weird, unique little way. I mean, I see a lot of personal development as, as uh, procrastination. Yep. It really needs to be, it really needs to be a, a key to unlock. And if it's not going to unlock new levels of growth and performance and you, and you find like, you know, honestly take a good look at your fucking life. Are you growing? Are you putting yourself in increasingly new environments that challenge you, grow you, teach you? Are you providing more value to the world? Are you providing more value to yourself? You know, there's so many intricacies and ways that I could go with this, but you will know whether or not your life's getting better or getting worse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it's I, I see it the whole time. And I've I've been tempted to go down that path. Most I definitely have strayed too far from the kind of the practical in the past. And one of the things that like I see is that feminine is so captivating and so intriguing and so mysterious that if you just like make your life just about that, then it can become so. Um, it's the mystery where it's like, oh wow, I can I can lose myself and actually lose the responsibility of taking. So it definitely is um, is captivating. Like, what are the what are the more esoteric things that you've done um, in terms of personal development? And the reason I ask is because I recently followed a page, uh, Gene Keys. I noticed you and one of your team members also followed them. This first thing they're told, and that's like quite a um, and it's got roots in astrology and other other kind of components and more esoteric personal development. Like, so what what Paths have you gone down there? Yeah, Gene Keys is a very powerful book, but you have to be in a particular state to be fully receptive to it and be open to it. I personally don't look into the astrology. I personally don't look into the whole DNA thing. Mm-hmm. I look at the core essence of the message 
and that's what I take from it. Um, I don't like necessarily looking at structures and things like that all the time with personal development. Um, you know, uh, there, there are little moments, sayings, words, statements, quotes, opinions, insights, wisdom from scholars, mentors, sages, whatever you want to call it, that are like little glimmers from God. When God, however you want to define him, um, you know, God is when you see the, the pure beauty and divinity and depth and openness in your awareness. You know, whenever you realize that your, your mind just goes from this closed cocoon to free. So I am very big on, you know, your mind will free and then it'll lock again. It'll free and it'll lock again. As you do new things and past parts of yourself play out. And I always have made a habit of committing to reading and searching to keep me unlocked. And I go through phases in my life where I lock up and I don't feel great. And I know that I'm not seeing it, but I know on the other end of it, there's a massive breakthrough. And that's really where the work is. Like, it's literally like a workout. You know, I have to, I have to sit in the discomfort of my pain. I have to sit in the discomfort of my rage, my jealousy, my confusion, my anguish, my, you know, it is not nice. But the contrast of that with what's on the other side when you do the work is, is, is so liberating and powerful and beautiful. And, you know, I have this, I have a couple of like, you know, life is really beautiful. All of it, um, the highs and the lows. Um, we've all been through our highs and our lows, but, you know, there's a predetermined theme to life and that it is that everything's for the growth of your soul. And if you know and trust in that alone, I mean, you can just be whoever you really want to be. It's you know? a very outdated concept to to rely on faith, but mm -hmm. it's a, I've, I've personally found it so useful and I know all my clients have too, of just like, well, maybe I can look at this as if it's a gift for my growth. And it, it can start there. And often then it becomes more of a, well, actually this is, a gift i'm not going to act as if it is i know it is and that comes through experience and effort yeah and it, you know it really depends on how you climb how high you climb because you'll carry weight you, know, you can only carry so much weight and we're all equipped to carry and deal with as much you know stress and challenges we're built and trained to mm -hmm. and it's the stuff that crushes you that is the the most important unfortunately yeah it's a shame isn't it I wish you could bypass it yeah it's 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 um but that is the thing that provides the meaning that's the thing that provides depth that's what makes things worthwhile that there is something to push against it would be completely meaningless if you just had a an empty yeah. void to to go into and everything was success very much so and you know one of the biggest threats that a business owner has is taking off their goals and not knowing what to focus on first. It's a very mm -hmm. strange place to be. When you uh, take off everything in Malos hierarchy of needs, your shelter, your food, your money, your 
purpose, then it's when you tick that all off. You know, everything is a everything is a timeline. Everything mm -hmm. is a ticking time bomb until you outgrow that. Your relationship, your team members, everything. Um, and it's just being prepared to have the courage to go out and do new things, bigger, bolder things. You know, courage is such a, a, a an invaluable skill. And you can't build courage, you can't build confidence without taking risks. Mm -hmm. And you got to calculate your risks. You know, the whole thing about being wealthy is about reducing your exposure to risk. Does it define exposure for people? Exposure as a list. Don't invest in stuff you don't understand. Don't have an affair. Don't look at porn. Don't dabble in people that are not aligned with where you want to go. Don't do things that compromise your health and take the piss with them. I'm not saying you can't drink alcohol, you can't whatever. Just don't take the piss. Be respectful of your of your body. Protect your relationships. Don't sit on things for too long. Don't sit on things for long at all, in fact, unless there's some kind of strategic timing in it. Um, you know, abide by the law your country these are all simple things very conservative values yeah very traditional but if you want to waste a lot of energy and you want to waste a lot of time and you want to put yourself into a voluntarily voluntarily whirlwind that will distract you away from your main thing be all the opposite of that yeah but one way of looking at the feminine is chaos it's the unknown and some people exist in that like that is their life and it's it does have a certain um attractiveness to it i suppose it really depends on what you're trying to build um you know you can find chaos in every area of your life outside of those structures um but for me you know you alternate between masculine and feminine throughout the course of your day your week your month I don't want to voluntarily put myself into a chaotic situation just to say that I'm growing. You know, it's got to have purpose and meaning behind mm -hmm. it. And there's a paradox of like, you know, pushing for growth when you don't, for what reason? And, you know, part of the feminine as well is also just being completely, you know, at rest. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your next level of creativity is going to come. And if you've got a lot of chaos going around, then it's going to be hard to kind of think, hard to kind of create, especially if you're a businessman, entrepreneur, you know, artist, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of people need to, I always talk about the stuff that, focus on the stuff that you're avoiding. That's where your real growth is. It's a fucking scary mission that. Yeah. You know, if you write down the stuff that you're truly unhappy with, the stuff that you really want to do, but you haven't done it, that's mm -hmm. everything you need to do. You know? And, um, you know, if, if you're not having somebody that's keeping you accountable to that, you're going to drift. Yeah. What has been the most stubborn unconscious limitation that you've you've faced the one that's really been evasive to you for such a long time 
Probably very simple stuff, like I'm not good enough. How did that show up? Well, that was, you know, in school, not hitting certain grades, you know, and parents being kind of like, oh, you're going to fail. You're putting the family at risk, blah, blah, blah. Not being selected for sports teams, even though I didn't give a fuck about sport. You know, there's elements of humiliation there when you're in an all-boys school and it's an all-rugby school and whatever. Um, I screwed my I screwed my hip up when I was a young kid. So I wore crutches for like two or three years. Wow. So, you know, there was all this progress happening outside of me that, you know, made me feel like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it all, I'm, I'm very mindful of where it all stems from, mindful of when it comes up. I mean, that's one of the beauties of doing the work is I can spot it, but, you know, you, you have to measure whether or not you spotting it is actually working. And the only way you measure that, like I measure that through a number of things. Number one, business growth. I look at a business as a way to express myself in the world, express myself to a team, communicate a vision and serve humanity. And the thread through that is going to be my underlying ethos around life. I look at, is my relationship with my wife deepening and getting more exciting and getting more rewarding? Am I healing the relationship with my parents? Am I comfortable on my own and in space and not having to do, do, do? Um, am I dealing with challenges overall productively or ineffectively? How often am I getting triggered? He's very, very good one. So you get annoyed. So go and put yourself in an environment of people that are likely to trigger you and see how your personal development fares out. The beautiful thing about personal growth, it's beautiful but also painful, is that you get hit with surprises. So the surprises can be very soul-destroying in moments. Um yeah those are some thoughts on that i want to kind of bring this around with a a very kind of um actionable and observable thing for for people who will be listening to this the vast majority of the audience are two to five years into their business journey they've got some element of stability it's not the wild west anymore but they're still not fulfilled um and they have that kind of this ticking along-ish, that's where most people are who are in this audience. What are the most common blind spots that you see with, with business owners at that stage? Well, if you're ticking along and you don't want to drive it anymore, you might just have to accept the fact that you don't want to. There might be something else that you want to focus on. And like I said today on one of the mastermind trainings that we had, your first business is the key to the second business or the second opportunity. So if you're not sure on what to focus on, look at your current business as an asset that's creating cash flow, that's providing safety, money for seed money for opportunity and experimentation, or three, you know, direct, you know, laser-like focus into something that you know you want to do. And you've got to treat it like that. Um, 
that that would be a big thing because you know your main business you're if you build a business on skill set reputation um supply chain um all of these things and it's all you know the worst thing in the world that you could do is burn it down especially if it's spouting off profit and cash that you can live off and your family can live off for you to expose your family or expose yourself is just too much risk. So look at getting out of your own way, put a team in there to replace it. And if you don't like it anymore, like get a team to run it or just be willing to take on the downsides of closing it down and burning the boats. Perfect. You've got to weigh all that up. Perfect. Yeah. Where can people find you, follow you, um, sign up to your content, listen to your podcast, for example? Very simple. Just go to Spotify, type in Phil Graham, Life on Your Terms. That's my outside of the fitness world podcast. And we've just started our YouTube called The Game Behind the Game. So um, it's a it's a really cool one. So um, yeah, it's only new, so you'll find it. But um, I talk about life. I talk about all the mistakes that I've made, the lessons and everything else. You know, but ultimately... It's for people that really want to build a life in their own terms. And that means individuals that have got control of their time. They've got the wealth to buy whatever they want. They work with people that they want. They have a team of people that they love. And they're committed to really just loving themselves more and more each day because that's what it's all about. Wonderful. Thank you so much, man. My pleasure. And thank you for having me on. I know how much time these take to edit and clip and chop and repurpose. So Thank you for the opportunity, Tom. You're a legend. Appreciate it. Thank you.